Hey, welcome to the Hive with Us podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Martinez. Today I have a special co-host, Anthony Gona, who's here every once in a while, but he's here today. And uh, today we have a special guest, Braxton Harrison. If you have not heard of him, go look him up. He's pretty awesome. He is a 20-year-old fund manager. He is the youngest fund manager in Texas, and he's going to own that for the rest of his life. So somebody else knocks him out. But <laughs> Anthony's here, Braxton's here. One of the things I wanted to ask you is, I just want to jump right into it. How did you meet Corey Thompson? Because he's the person that is, I think the not that you've done, not that you've gotten a lot with him, but you've done a lot. You've learned a lot from him. You've gotten to a point just off his knowledge and teachings and cold calling and bandit signs and all that jazz. We'll jump into later. But how did you meet Corey Thompson? Because everybody has a unique story. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, when I was about eight years old, I had a tennis coach in Belton where I grew up. Really? Yeah. And, and so that coach grew up and part of Corey's family. It's like, you know, adopted brother. So basically, I mean, I was eight taking lessons from this fella and he since moved on. We went to Virginia, then Arkansas, moved all over. But I just stay in touch with them. And when I was 17 and talking to him on the phone one day, because we just talk every couple of months, it's like, man, I'm really I'm in my first semester in school. They're telling me all this stuff that I've got to, you know, I'm this because I'm I'm whatever. And like, man, I don't know if I can uh, do this for the next four years. He's like, yeah, well, you know what? You got to talk to these fellas. I don't know exactly what they do. It goes way over my head, but uh, I'd like to introduce you. And so he's like, you got to talk to my mom first. She can kind of debrief you on Corey um, <laughs> and give you the rundown. And and that was it. So I, I, I talked to his mom and. It's like, hey, look, he's a little, little, little different from uh, everybody what else used to, <laughs> but an absolute well of knowledge, and so just have an open mind, and that was it. So, it was, my first contact with Corey was a phone call, talking real estate, this and that, just super broad, and he invited me to Grosbeck to uh, go to one of their meetings. So that was my intro, just a friend through a friend. I mean, a ten year long connection that said, hey, you ought to, you ought to talk to this fella. Well, that's look, let me preface this next uh, question with uh, I love Corey to death. and He's always been a good friend to us and, and very respectful, super honorable, very truthful. So that's why we, we love Corey to the core because of his values. But so you go to this first meeting, you show up and they already pre-warned you. I've been to a couple of Corey's meetings. <laughs> what was your first impression of that meeting? <laughs> so, <What's> so that? <laughs> that was the, the thing that morning. So that I, I asked him like, Okay, well, where where's it at? You know, he's like grows back. It's over text, and I'm like, okay, that you know, that tells me a lot. And I'm like, well, you got an address? He's like, no, I don't know. It's next to the Pizza Hut. I was like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> I'll uh, <laughs> I I'm gonna drive an hour away and go next to the Pizza Hut see if I find them. <laughs> and the office that we were leasing at the time it backed up to an old Dairy Queen, and then next to it was a gas station. I was at that gas station and about to head over there that morning. I see Corey come through in his blue Colorado. I didn't know this was him at the time, but I saw him like come out the, the gas station with a with a cup and he drives over the curb over this old Dairy Queen parking lot, drives over another curb straight into the parking lot of, of the office. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I think he just went where I'm going. <laughs> 
And so uh, I go in there, we start having a meeting and I mean, it was basically hit the ground running. Like I just started building out Microsoft Teams, putting in a whole bunch of stuff. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know everyone's names, nothing like that. But it was just, saw Corey drive through some, over some curbs. And he's like, all right, we have this program that we want to try out, Microsoft Teams. We don't know anything about it, but let's see if you can figure it out. I was like, all right. And then uh, we went to Ninfa's for lunch, a Mexican restaurant in Waco, and everyone got hammered. So <laughs> that was day one. Yeah, day one. Day one, very first day at like eleven thirty on a Wednesday. Like the whole staff was was just getting drunk at at lunch, and it's like, all right, this is different. Now I was wearing a suit. <laughs> oh yeah, he still makes fun of you for, uh, to this day for showing up in a suit. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's in shorts and, and Converse and shit. T-shirts. Yep. yep. <laughs> Next three days, I saw him. He had the same sweatpants on too. And so it was like <laughs> that was my first first day though. Is I just you know I showed up, had no idea what I was getting into. Started building up Microsoft Teams. We went to lunch, and then we drove out to a property that they had at the time. He's like, well, I'm gonna shred this, but this is something we bought for forty. We're under contract to sell it for like. 75 right now he's like but i'm about to shred so you can come back tomorrow he's like all right <laughs> so i want to i want to jump into a little of your background so just because we're a little bit early on in the episode but like what have you done since 17 you're 20 now what have you done like we're going to cover we're going to dive a little bit more in deep into all these things but i want like let's let's give some little credibility here because you've definitely done a lot of amazing things in this short amount of time so let's kind of jump into that yeah, so I did. I, I started full time working with with Corey and, and them in 2021. Dropped out of school, and by that summer, I went ahead and bought my first deal, thirty thousand dollar trailer house in you know, East Texas, Southeast Texas. Bought it for thirty grand, and I ended up selling it owner finance on a wrap for like fifty five, and, and and did my first you know wholesale transaction. All I did was go down there, clean it, take out the trash. And and that was it. Just kind of started rinse, repeating that model. So, cause I was working with the team and acquisitions, you know, learning how to evaluate properties, learning how to evaluate real estate and, and starting to learn all those mechanics. And then also doing it, you know, my personal portfolio. This show is sponsored by HiveMind CRM. It is more than just a CRM. It is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one CRM. You can have unlimited websites and users. You can call, text, RVM, and email all-in-one user interface. And you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses. 65% of companies start using a CRM system within the first five years of business. Once implemented, the HiveMind will save you on marketing, give you more time, and make more money. One of our users had his first $100,000 month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings. And of course, to get our $1 course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at HiveMindCRM.io. So that was the first one. By the end of that year, I went ahead and had my first rental as well. That's one of my favorite deals. Still have that one. It's a 2004 brick 4-2, like great asset, close to where I grew up. First rental, 
You know, then early the next year, I bought another house off of Facebook Marketplace, do a tenant in there, then, then a fourplex about a month later. And then I think by that summer, I did a 12 unit deal in East Texas. And then I partnered with, uh, with Jason on another nine doors in West Texas. And then it's just, I mean, from there, it's just more and more and more. Just kind of kept rinse and repeating that exact same model, you know. It's, so you got up to like you got up to like thirty doors or something. I know you sold some in in, mid, in the mid yeah, mid, yeah. But like, what's your peak like doors you had at one point, and then uh, that kind of stuff. I think mid forties as far as just rentals, and then I've, I've sold off some of those. Now I'm how I'm looking at it right now is I'd, I'd like to be pretty picky with the rental portfolio. You know, sticking the two percent rent rule and something I am okay owning long term. But I, I think it was a, it was about forty or so doors at the height, but it's like at that point also kind of got away from that, and our entire business model changed quite a bit to to what it is now, to where we're no longer structuring with debt, we're we're strictly operating with cash and kind of rolling that way. So that dynamic changed, whereas it was a, a race to hey, how many let's say accumulate this massive portfolio to hey, how can we start you know. Maybe instead of just single base hits, let's let's start making consistent doubles. That might take a little bit more time, might take a little bit more money, but we have the resources and infrastructure to do it now. So that was kind of so the shit. Forty doors, forty doors in three years. You've since got your Series Seven. Let's talk about that and the the fund becoming a starting a fund. Let's jump into that stuff in the last three years. Well, so that Corey always says I have my Series Seven. I do not have my Series Seven. I've okay. taken and passed my Security Industry Essentials exam. And I could walk in right now and confidently go take my Series 7 and, and pass that. So I'm there. But what I realized is as far as the funds go, we have a Regulation D fund, which allows us to have exempt like non-registered securities. So it is still a filing with the SEC, but it allows us to not have to be a, a big institution and still be able to sell shares to the public in a very specific way. So... I was very, very close. I had about three different job offers, but I was going to take to go get my, my Series 7 and 66. But right about that time, I was like, man, I think ultimately what uh, getting some of that licensing will do is is just create a couple more hurdles for us that you know it would make some fundraising aspects a little bit easier. But there's some different licenses that I think would be better. And in the meantime, you know, we might be better off just hiring that out, you know, paying, you know, essentially the fellow with the Series 7 to, hey, connect me to a, connect me to an investor, you know, and, and that was just, had to be honest, like, okay, I don't want to spend all my time fundraising. My passion and love is is the operation. I love trading real estate. I love going That's out true. there and looking at it. Yeah. And being a part of that. I don't want to just talk about something on, on paper and, and go present that to people and, you know, be so detached from the actual, the game, you know, and that's, that's the sales calls. That's the going and, and walking it and evaluate negotiating right there in person with the paper contract. Like that's, that's the stuff I love. I know that's a little bit harder to scale, but that's so much fun. No, I, I think I am where you are, man. And I, I believe in the power of uh, virtual and all this, you know, automation and all this crap, but I love seeing the properties. I like jumping the fences. You know, I like, mm -hmm. I like, getting, I like getting stuff on my boots and, getting out there and just seeing it, breathing the air, right? Hearing this, the, the silence. I think that's something that, that people don't appreciate about ranchers. It's like, we're not playing this game strictly just so we could put some dollars in our bank account. The properties mm -hmm. are absolutely beautiful. 
And then I have my eye on, on, you know, something that I'm after, right. I'm looking for that one that I can call home and throw up a right. big house. Yeah. So I have skin in the game to go out and look like, what do the trees look like in this area? What, you know, what, how green is it? Like, what does the economy look like? What do the houses around there look like? Because I'm trying to find my spot too, man. So I really do love yeah. being out playing the game is exactly the, the phrase that I use. Mm -hmm. Well, then you can also appreciate it. It's like how I look at everything. It's like, okay, if this deal goes bad and I can't rent it for whatever reason, I can't own a finance, I can't get rid of it. Would I be okay owning this long-term? And you know, this is my next house, right? Deal goes bad. I got to figure out a way to make it work. So if you can't buy something that you would live in, you know, it's like, and now that is a subjective, you know, way to look at it is living standards are different for every person, but like, that's how I look at it. I want to, I want to buy assets that I can believe in and, and buy into personally not just what, you know, uh, people should like this. Like if I can't buy the product, if I can't believe in the product, I can't sell that to somebody else. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So how, when did you start the fund? And tell us a little about fundraising because I think you raised some money for the fund as well. Yes. So uh, we started that. We started all the paperwork towards the end of December 2022, somewhere in there, probably November. I started talking with the attorney like, hey, how can we do this? I told our attorney about the fund structure that we we wanted to do, and he found a way to make it work. So essentially, we can offer it to you know Texas residents that we have a, a relationship with already. You know, so we're not soliciting the public, but we are able to be pretty flexible as far as non-accredited and accredited investors. We can work with everybody. They just have to be a sophisticated investor, and there's kind of a set of parameters for that. Awesome, but, awesome. The first fund, though, we, we filled that up, I think, February or early March, we had the first deal bought closed and the fund closed as well. And that's a four and a half million dollar fund. And that one was it was pretty easy to fill up strictly because we, we were rolling with a lot of private capital. So most of the lenders that we had, they, they could see what's going on in the marketplace and they could see interest rates going up. They hear about this recession. They hear about, you know, declining GDP. They see all this stuff going on. And so it wasn't a super hard conversation to say, hey, look, instead of us getting strung out on some of these projects and having to come back to you and say, look, I know we had an agreement for six to 12 months. I just can't do it. I, I can't get this refinanced. I can't make this happen. You know, I, no, like we're gonna have to roll with this longer. Instead of making us have to have that conversation, we just said, all right, let's set that expectation up front. We'll take a, a smaller cut and y'all be the owners of it. So that first fund, you know, pretty not easy. That's that's not a fair word because we had the track record. You know, we had yeah. the, the credibility and, and the plan for it, but it filled up pretty quick. And now we've actually got a second one that we're filling up that's a property specific one. We're about halfway complete, and that'll be another. That that'll be a five million dollar fund. That's good. That's good, man. All right, I was going to say, are you going to continue to to create new funds, or are you just going to create one or two main ones and then just roll with that? Uh, it, it kind of depends. I mean, we would definitely we we've got ideas for different ones. So it's like the first one. It's it's a revolving fund. So it's a five year fund, or we constantly redeploy the principal every time it comes back to us. So we're paying out profit and we're redeploying capital on, you know, multifamily, single family, mobile home developments, land, whatever the case may be, we're, we're doing everything with that one. The second fund, it's specific for a 
one development and and that's a hundred percent of the funds are going to that project and it's going to be paid out at whatever rate that we're able to sell off the deal. So that one won't be recycled. But then we've also looked at and we're working on like a, a straight rental fund, you know, maybe a slightly smaller, lower return, but longer horizons, great tax benefits, you know, people maybe looking to park an IRA or something. So uh, the answer is yes. I mean, we would keep continuing to create additional funds for, you know, whatever each one has a different purpose kind of in a way. And we would also just create the same as the first one with the with larger buying power. Yeah, I, I love the model, man, of, of having a dual use. I really like that. And then having it in mind that you're going to be able to create funds as needed. Because I think what the main thing that people think about is a fund is like, I'm going to make the biggest and baddest fund that ever existed, right? Singular. When somebody like you guys that understand the market and you're out there doing it at a, at a large scale, then you know like, hey, yeah, this this might take a, a small little plethora of, de- of of funds to make it happen. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, that's that's the dream, right? Fifty or a hundred million dollars under management, life gets significantly easier and better and you know, a lot of your problems go away. But that starts with having the consistency of managing the the five million dollar funds. You gotta start somewhere in that sense. And it's also, you know, if we are fiduciaries to our investors and, and we're truly making the best moves, it's like realistically, we've got to figure out operationally, what is it going to take to manage 50 million? Because we're not there yep. yet. Yep. We, we will be, we're in the right track. You know, maybe we could max at 15 or 20 right now with our current staff and, and current systems. But, you know, with that much money, with that many properties, there's going to be a new set of, of yeah, that present themselves that we haven't come across before or at that scale. So it's like, that's what, it's like, absolutely. We want to keep growing that and keep doing more of them. But in a a manner that we can, you know, still realistically manage what we're doing and, and keep pumping out the returns that we're shooting for. Amazing. Have you raised any money like outside of your normal investors since you have the fund up that opened up a new pool of of, of essentially lenders? Have have you had yes. those conversations? Yes. Honestly, the second fund we've got a lot more people that aren't aren't in the first one, but are direct referrals from the people in the first one. And that's a, a big list of that is like, that's how a lot of our lenders grew is they, they, you know, you talk to your people like, Hey, look, yeah, I'm getting great returns with these guys. Y'all talk to them, see if they have a deal for you. Now that we have got a vessel for them to put retirement accounts, put cash that they have laying around, yep. stuff like that. Now we have an opportunity for that. You know, the referrals in, in that sense has been great. We have talked to a uh, a broker dealer that, uh, you know, he connected us with some fellows that they do have institutional money and, you know, they're they're going to be involved in this next fund. And, you know, that's that's just kind of comes with it. It's like you got to make sure people know what you do. And I mean, y'all understand that better than anyone because y'all social media is everywhere. It's consistent because, you know, whenever that deal does pop up, whenever that opportunity does come up, you know, people already know, oh, this this person does this. Maybe I should connect with them on that. Maybe we, we can talk and figure something out. So the referrals from the first one has, has been some of the, the greatest ones that we've had, gotten a lot of commitments from that. And, and I expect to, you know, continue to see that because we've been doing, you know, as expected, if not better on what we said that we're shooting for on returns. I can expect that from you and Corbin. You guys are super sharp. And I know you got a lot of sharp people on your team. Spoonman, all those guys. Like, if I was going to bet big on somebody, it'd definitely be you guys. 
I appreciate it, man. It's and, and that's what I always say. It's like we we just we just have fun more than anything. Like it's a uh, it's it's truly a simple concept. It's people need a place to live, and so we're looking for discounted real estate, and we can trade that, and we're salespeople, so we can offer product that we have, which is just real estate, like any other business. It's just our product. It's just our inventory. We can offer it to the marketplace at a in a manner that you know solves problems for people. And the faster we can do that, the faster we can make money. But it's a matter of being sharp on our skills, being sharp on our sales ability and holding all of our agents accountable to where, you know, we make sure from top down, like everyone's on their game and, and making sure they're doing what they need to do to survive in this marketplace. Yep. And it sounds like, like, you know, money hungry capitalists, right? Just doing their thing, but providing affordable housing. Right. Fix, fixing uh, older houses that are that have no use right now. Restoring the marketplace. Right. In, in certain areas, mm-hmm. especially out of the small Texas towns that people f- tend to forget about. You guys work a lot in those areas. So, you know, we respect that because we do the same thing. You know, we work, we work the outskirts. Right. We, I think the big cities can handle themselves. But if, if somebody's not out, you know, cleaning up the small towns. Right. Then how are they ever going to get better? And we're seeing it all around us. All the little small towns are becoming beautiful. Like they're starting to grow and flourish mm-hmm. and. I love to be a part of it, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's that's one of the coolest parts about it. Cause it's like then also when you are doing that, how many people are you employing each time that you go in there and you you send a crew of contractors, right? It's like you're in those tertiary markets, you're giving people job opportunities that weren't there before, you know. So dude, I've, I've got tenants that have never paid me a dime, bro. Like the guy's just so happy. Like anything I tell him to do, like he was at the office today blowing leaves. Like the guy just loves me. He's never given me a dime. He's been living in my building for like three and a half years or something. And it's rewarding for both of us. You know, he lives there with his family and, and yeah, he, he provides a service to us. So it's a cool two way street. Like, you know, how else was he going to get that opportunity if we never came along and found that property? hundred percent. And that's kind of the thing. It's like, I think that's what's so unique about this business is you can find ways to work with people, you know, whatever works for both of y'all. Like we've got a fella, he's been working in West Texas for us. Now he's come back to East Texas. Like, He'll just load up his family and move into the place while he works on it. <laughs> so wow. he ain't super expensive and he ain't necessarily the fastest, but he does good work and he gets it. You know, he, he does what he said he's going to do and, and you don't have to worry about him. You know, you can let him loose and it's just kind of funny, but it's a proxy you know, live and flip. That's crazy. I've yeah. <laughs> oh, on the, on the one that we had, like we, uh, we, we had a little separate garage with it. He just threw up a window unit on there and um, secured it, and he's living in the in the shed while he worked on the house. It's like, man, more power to you. You know, you don't have to pay for a hotel, and that don't reflect on the invoice. It's like perfect. I'm I'm okay with it. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. The, the funny thing is, is like there's people in every market that'll do stuff like that. Like he, for Absolutely. him, he works at his own pace. I'm sure he he's not paying rent and you supplies the supplies and he works at his own pace and he does whatever he wants. And it's kind of like a flexible job, but he lives there too. So it's just, it's amazing. The opportunities out there. That's so crazy. hundred percent. And it's just, it's, it's fun to, to work with all those different people. Cause it's like, there's, everyone's got a, a different story. Everyone's got a different situation. And it's like, this business really is like, especially in the tertiary markets, you get to make stuff happen in a really cool way that otherwise you wouldn't be able to. That's cool, man. Let's talk about like your, 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 you're the fund manager. What does your fund manager duties look like? Uh, So a lot of, I mean, there's the uh, investor management, right? Like talking to investors, talking, you know, sending out the distributions, you know, we, we do monthly distributions on the 20th of every month. We're, we're sending that out. Um, so 
managing those, making sure everyone's gotten their money. Every It makes sense to them. They understand how much they got, why they got it. You know, calculating what should be going out every month. It's like, okay, we had all these sales. We've got to break out the profit from it. We've got to make sure all this money's accounted for and moved. As far as managing all of our projects, you know, if we've got 10 to 15 different remodels going on right now, making sure that it's like, while I'm also looking at the next property to buy and looking for the next deal, managing that money, like, okay, we can't be going too far out because we're going to have all this stuff with no money to do the remodels. Like, you know, keeping a close eye on both sides of that. It's like, okay, we're managing uh, the rehabs over here, making sure they're always properly capitalized, but then also still looking ahead to find the next deal, looking at all the wholesales that come across our desk, looking at the MLS and find the stuff that's been sitting on the market, you know, still doing our driving for dollars and calling, you know, vacant houses that we see. Just last week, we were going through the tax foreclosures, trying to call some people, door knock some people here in McLennan County, like still uh, doing the boots on the ground stuff while also, you know, trying to give that broad overview and making sure like the whole thing can move forward. But that that's a lot of it is just, it's kind of managing the money, moving it around, making sure each property has what it needs, making sure contractors are getting paid and, and all that's getting accounted for as well. And, and that's, that's the bulk of it, but probably where most of my time spent now is uh, dispositions and, and getting stuff sold. So mm-hmm. we've got our current inventory is around 43 or 44 right now. So most all of that stuff is, is you know, getting ready to be sold or already listed right now and, and probably a handful of more rentals. So out of that, it's, you know, it's managing the agents on that. Right. And making sure that, hey, are you making your calls? Are you are you talking to these people? Are you following up with these people? How many showings have you had? You know, that sort of deal and and uh, getting in there and making the calls with them and doing the follow up with them. And, and you know, being a part of that takes up probably the most of the time because it's like, you know, as, as much as I want to find the next deal, we've got to be turning over the especially the remodeled inventory so we can recycle that money and make a profit that month. Hey, dude, I'll tell you, uh, I got a lot of action on that Bandera property. It's like five acres or five plus acres. Yeah. So, yeah, I should be moving that one pretty soon, man. And then, so if you have any other ones that are good luckers like that around San Antonio, man, I'd be glad to help you do some dispo. I got a lot of salespeople. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I love to hear, man, because uh, that property, I still believe in it, especially with the neighbor's comp that had uh, no utilities with that sold for. I don't believe it any less, but it's just, it's been tough to get people out there. It's just a little ways out, dude, but I, I found there's a buyer for everything. If you go out in the sticks, you know, sometimes I've, I've been to little towns where I'm like, man, I, I can understand why people want to be out here. You know, there's just certain areas are, are really, really good. And I like anything west of San Antonio. I, I think long run, that's going to prove to be the nicest area that touches the city west, heading west. Absolutely. Well, good deal, yeah. man. Hey, man, I'm going to I'm going to have to go right now. I got a family of a shindig that we talked about before we started yeah, recording absolutely. the thing. I really regret missing the second half of this call because I'm sure it's just going to get better and better, man. But uh, yeah, I would definitely love to do this again, bring you on again and to go a little bit deeper into how you guys operate and, and, and everything that you have going on. Because a lot of what you guys do, I mean, the core has been mentoring us, right? So I have a good feel for what you guys have going on. And uh, I think we have a lot of overlap in our businesses that we haven't explored yet. 100%. Well, I appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, dude, Daniel's going to hang out here. Daniel's going to stay and finish the, the event, but it's, uh, I mean, the, the podcast. But yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for coming on here, man. And I'm super proud of you. And I'm, I'm super glad to call you a friend. Thank you, Eddie. You too. See you, buddy. See you, Daniel. Take care.
Thanks, Anthony. So one of the questions I want to ask you is um, what tech stack are you using for the fund as far as like tools and services? Because even when you spoke at our event last last month, you had like this really cool like uh, graph thing where it showed where all your deals were, all your holdings were. Yes. So uh, let's talk a little about your tech stack because I think that's a cool thing that not only we'll talk about and then maybe where you hired people where that would raise money with the Series 7 and stuff like that. So let's talk about your tech stack side and maybe on your people side where you hired new people. Yeah. So as far as tech, we, to give kind of some preface, the, the program that we use for most everything now is Appfolio. And we originally only use this for property management software. Okay, It's got a super robust system as far as you know, lead generation, lead capturing, yes, rental applications, sourcing all the properties, maintenance, evictions. I mean, super awesome software for both the landlord, property manager, and the tenant. It's got different interfaces for each one. So love that folio. Can't talk highly enough about them. Awesome support staff and everything. But that's the program that we've always used for our property management. Now they, we just saw in an email, saw that they had investment management software and we did a call with them and they kind of showed what that could do for us. And essentially, it's a place where we can, you know, add in all of our properties. We can have a, a full list of, of each project. We can account. We have the accounting on there. We can see, you know, the total inventory on it. Like what's it costing so far? What's going on there? It has the full list of all the investors as well. And, and that's kind of the best part of the software that we like is that we can calculate each distribution and pretty effortlessly because it shows the proportion ownership per fund, like each investor, what they should be getting. So if I say, okay, this month's payout is going to be this much. I want it to be processed on this day. It'll waterfall calculate and give, okay, line item. Here's how each person should be getting paid this much. It'll send out checks for you. It'll do direct deposits for you. That's amazing. Just takes care of all of that for us. Yeah. So one thing we haven't mentioned yet is you're, it looks, it sounds like you're on like a syndication fund model where investors can invest in certain type of opportunities that you have. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're each one's its own separate individual fund, yep. um, but we make sure that the people that we're already doing business with know about the other opportunities that we have, you know, right. cause that's, that's one of the easiest, you know, people to, to get involved with. It's like, that's your power base. You're already doing business with me. Let me tell you about something else I'm doing if you want to be involved with that as well. So no, that's good, man. So everything's every, your tech stack is only throughout folio, everything. Pretty much. And we do use other stuff like uh Propelio, you know, yeah. it's a robust software. It's pretty, it's fast, it's basic. It doesn't give super granular data, but if I just want a quick idea of what something's worth, if I want to get an idea of property, we use that REI black book. That's where all of our inbound leads come in for uh, if we do email marketing, if we do ringless voicemails, if we do bandit signs, anything like that, love that software as far as the follow-up that it can have, you know, but it's really just, it's, it's a, it's a collection, you know, cause it's like the, the software is only as, as good as it can. It, it takes getting on the phone with these people to, to really convert a lot of this. Uh, and, and so that's where it's like, all right, black book's great for that. It, it catches everything. It keeps poking them every couple of days. And I know it can do way more. We just haven't spent the time to figure all of it out, but, as far as just getting on the phone, the accountability is the absolute best part of that. Yeah. Because I, Corey, Jacob, Jason, anyone could get at any time and see like how many calls has this property gotten and are they being ignored? Because we can get in and see, we can see the agent's calls, we can listen to the recordings, we can help 
go through and coach them on, hey, uh, here you should have said this, or you know, whether it's telling you this, or oh, it was too dirty inside. You know, we can go in and tell them, hey, look, I agree with you. I'm with you. I hear you. You're not the first person to tell me that. But that's already on the schedule to be clean tomorrow. You know, is there any objection why we can't go ahead and get this contract today? Right, like, but we can we can have that interface where we can go in and help the agents where they need. And it's also got the texting part of that as well. So, awesome. but we, as far as softwares, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's stuff out there that would help a lot, but it's relatively basic for us. We don't, we don't do too much with it. Um, Appfolio is just one of the easiest, robust softwares for being able to see everything, you know, and then make your decisions. That's awesome, man. So you mentioned people that you have that person that makes introductions for you for investors. Did you bring in any like new people that helps out with the fun side as well to maybe raise money or counting SEC uh, um, reporting, anything like that? Yes. So our attorney, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time with him throughout both these processes, you know, making sure that we're all in compliance and, and understanding exactly how and what we can and can't do, you know, so we're definitely involved with them. But uh, we, we met one fellow from Dallas, Frank Kushner. He's gotten, you know, made a great introduction for us. And we've got more like that, that it's just, he's a guy with the Series 7. He trades Wall Street money all day long, you know, that sort of deal. It's those sorts of people, you know, the Series 7 guys, the Series 25 guys, the, you know, the brokers in that sense. Talk to several of those that just make the simple introductions, you know, because it's like, they're a position of authority and they can connect, you know, investment to investor. Yeah. Investment to investment capital. Yeah. And and that's one of the, the best introductions that you could ever have made, you know, because that's how everyone get paid on it. Yeah. That's good. That's good. One thing, one thing I love is that you've, you've learned so much in such a little time and it's, it's really cool to like see it happen because I, I feel like I, I met you early on through yeah. phone calls and seeing you, seeing you over the past few years, but it's just been crazy seeing you, um, like not only not only mature, but like mature, mature as an investor, mature as as a as a person too. So it's really cool to see that that come to come to fruition over time, over time and distance. But what is what's something that like yeah, what's like a a goal when you're thirty? Have you thought that far ahead, or you're like I'll get there when I get there type thing or I know it's I, a, I it's hard yeah. I'm, I'm 31, man, but you're 20. You got like you got a long road ahead of you. Like what? What's the uh, projection of what that looks like? Man, I've I've bounced back and forth between like, do I care about thinking that far ahead versus I I super care about it. Uh, and I've always been conflicted. But man, the, the biggest thing for me is is I love the work. I love the game. And I love doing it. And it's just like all my goals kind of go back to my family, man. Like if, if you know, my mom's got a beach house, my sister's got her house paid for and school paid for and, you know, and I can keep doing what I enjoy. Like I ain't super worried about it, uh, you know, because 30 isn't there's not a number that I'm going to have hit by 30 or even if I have hit whatever number that I'm going to say, all right, time to let off the gas. It's like, no, nah, you know, keep doing more of what got me here in a sense, you know, so it's like. I can make that decision once once my dad's got, you know, he wants the new uh, Ford Raptor, you know. My mom's got a beach house, sister ain't got to worry about nothing. Like, th- once those things are taken care of in my life, then I can worry about it, you know. Then I can I – would, I would spend more time thinking, what do I want? But it's like that's how I think about it, you know. Like, I enjoy spending time with people. I enjoy having fun experience with people. 
and and helping out other people and but it's just it's the game is is the most gratifying part of it to me it's the you know anthony saw a couple weeks ago like going out yeah. and doing the set outs and stuff like that like that sort of work being on the job with with the with the boys like that's a good time right there you know because it's like you know you're pushing the ball forward you know you're getting it down the field and you know you're getting out you're, you're seeing stuff you're seeing the world and that's that that's what i love about it but yeah. i know this is a personal question but you got a lady in your life i think ch- things change when you when you get married and have kids or you're at least talking you're at least going down that road. Are you focused on that at all? Or are you like, yeah, I worry about that. I'm not. I'm not. I, I I get a girlfriend, but it's like, you know, that's not a, anyone that I'm with has got to understand like where my priorities are. And it's yep. just like, that's, that's so far down the list because it wasn't where I was when I started. And when yeah, I started yeah. going gas to the floor, you know, it's like, I understand where I'm at because of the things that I've done, the sacrifice I've made. And it's like, you know, it's it's going to take a lot to knock me off that, and it's I would say it's impossible because it's like I just it's uh I'd love it, you know, but it's just it can wait. That'll always be there. All that stuff will be there. That the party and the the girlfriends, the the whatever, like that stuff will be there. It's it's waiting. It's 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 not going anywhere. But uh, the opportunity that I have now, I, I'm very grateful for, very blessed, and it's fun to me, you know. So one one thing I I think is um I, I like your your mindset on that part because it's one of those things where like you have a you have time to figure all that stuff out you don't have to worry about it and when stuff appears in front of you you know you'll you make that decision when it comes a lot of people they they're my my wife she's one of those like she has a five year goal ten year goal and she wants she wants to know what she wants to, she knows she wants to know what she's doing next week you know <laughs> and like me I'm one of those like I'm just running. I'll yeah. figure out what, what's I look up I, when I wake up every morning when I go to bed every night I look at my schedule for the next day like okay I have meeting here meeting here and then that's how I handle things I don't know I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow who knows <laughs> I looked at my notes tonight yeah <laughs> I'm uh, I'm much closer to that man it's, it's kind of funny but my wife hates it she hates it yeah. and and now not to say that I don't have you know long term visions like, yeah yeah a billion dollars under management like. I, I think I would retire after that. I would I would run a, a billion dollar fund and say, all right, I've done it. I'm okay with that. But I'm not, you know, the timeline on that is it just is what it is. You know, because in the meantime, I'm I'm making returns on friends and family's retirement accounts and making them have peace of mind, you know. Like and I'm making money while doing it and, and they're doing good. It's like I want to I don't I'm in no rush to get away from that. Now not to say like the stuff and, and all the other things and like the, the short-term goals. Yeah, it's fun. You know, I love Ford Mustangs, you know, I'd, I'd love a, a, a new dark Porsche, right? I just went to uh, Brandon. He's a contractor for us and a partner of ours. Took me in his BMW M5 comp, man, that thing went zero to 161 in like less than 14 seconds. Like I would love one of those, but I'm just not. That's not uh, near as important to me as you know what we're doing and, and what we're building, what we're growing. So it's like, I have a good question for you. Mm-hmm. So I always think about this because um, we're in the midst of raising a fund too, and it'll be up end of the year. But like when you you come to the point of a billion dollar fund, and this is hypothetically when when we get there, I'm at the top, buddy. But um, mm-hmm. when we when we get there, like. Do you want to shut it off? Because I feel like the impact that you can coordinate and control, not that you want to control it, but there's 
you talked about earlier, there's the the impact of imp- influencing smaller communities. Like I wouldn't, I would be like afraid to shut it off because you have such a power that you're sustaining hundreds, maybe thousands of people's families. And just by the work you do every day and the work your people do underneath of you, like, I don't know if I would shut it off. So have you ever thought about that? Because I mean, you mentioned it earlier and it's a hard question and, and that's where I'm at. Like when's enough. I, I, already, I already know when like, is enough. Uh, you're like it's enough i don't know it, it's for me it's one of those things where like i have employees you have employees and like you take you take almost take pride by having them work for you and having them sustain themselves through the work that you provide like there's mm-hmm. almost like there's like a, a level of not actually like almost like gratitude there's a level of gratitude that hey i'm in a position that I've worked hard for this, but I also sustain a lot of people underneath me that work underneath me as well. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a form of gratitude that I I appreciate and I love I love what I do just because it it affords me the ability to employ a lot of people. I a hundred percent agree with that because I think in an essence, like if you were only doing it for selfish reasons, if you were only doing it for how do I further Daniel's you know life. And not ever stopping to think about, wow, look at look at what I'm able to do and impact while I'm doing this. I don't think anyone would go near as far. Obviously, I think people can change once they get to that point. But I think at some level, that, there has to be like a, there has to be like a root seed when right. you're, while you're while you're building it there that shows right. that you'll you'll never stray too far from the path. <laughs> right, and and I, and I think that's kind of the thing. It's it's where you start is 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 how you're going to finish as far as attitude and mindset because it's like. I, I 100% agree with you. It's like, when is enough? You know, when when do you stop that? Because if you do get to that level, if you're at that level where you can really change a lot of lives and, and it doesn't necessarily take a whole lot at that point, it's like, why would you stop? You know? And for me, I just think about like, at that point, where is that legacy? You know, where can it continue on? How do you, you know, how do you raise those people up with you? To where they can share that same vision and then they continue to do it as well. And I think that's when I could uh I could confidently say, like, okay, I can I can be okay with this because I know the idea, the vision, the whatever, that's gonna continue on. The person person B behind me is ready to take the torch. Right. Right. And and have a lot of the, you know, obviously it's gonna be different, but have it's a vision. Right. And and that's what it's about for me. It's like I wanna, you know be able to make that positive impact to where everyone around me can, they can also win, you know, cause it's like, it's what's the point, you know, it's like, what's the point if, if I'm falling out of control and got nobody with me, you know, it's like, if, if we can't all make it, if we can't all do it and there's more than enough money to do that, it's like, what's the point? Where, where's the, I don't want to go to the nicest restaurants all by myself. Like, let me take me and 50 of my closest homies. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> I think a much gratifying experience. I agree with you. It's like when you can employ people and you can give them opportunity and they capitalize on it, that's such a cool feeling. That's a just, you love to see it because it's like, okay, I'm not wasting effort or energy on this. They, they see it, they acknowledge it and they want to get better too. Yeah. There, there's a point where um, I think everybody hits it where you're like, is it really worth my effort? Is it worth the time? Am I am I just burning cash here at this point? <laughs> when do I stop this pain? <laughs> yeah, you know, just trying to make something work or, or trying to to see something through. It's like, well, what's a uh, 
what, what what's going on here? But <laughs> it's, it's such a such a funny dynamic. Entrepreneurs face like a they face a lot more problems that we we put ourselves in these situations over and over again, and like people think like. Why would you do that? Like we're crazy. It's just mm-hmm. it's, it's a Tuesday for us, you know. Right. Well, and, and you get it. It's like and you probably get it more than anyone. It's like I don't I wouldn't trade anything for, for what I got going on. But that being said, like you do get, I think, a little bit pickier with what you're willing to listen to. Like I don't want to hear just people gripe and whine about stuff. Like I don't I'm sorry, I don't care. I don't like I don't I don't care. You got these problems, that's fine. But I got I got these problems. I'm trying to solve these. Right. It's just not the same thing. I'm, I'm sorry that you didn't like how, you know, whatever's going on. But it's just like the, the the drama stuff, the, you know, all the personal stuff. It's like it's it's hard to, you know, make that separation. And it's like you just become uninterested in a sense. It's like I love what I do. I'm so involved in this and I know the impact you will have. It's like I don't want to be like. If we can't if we can't get this together, if we can't improve together, I don't really want any part of it. Let's yeah. both get better or let's not do it at all. What do you recommend as far as somebody who wants maybe 17 and they have that opportunity to go the way the direction you went or the direction your friends went back then? What what, what advice do you give them? I would say one of the best things that that I kind of acknowledged early on was don't listen to people that don't necessarily have the life that you want. And don't be afraid to mess it up either. Like whenever I was 17, I like I dropped out of college. And I've got I've got 36 college credits out there somewhere, right? Like I was I, I took all my AP tests. I was a uh, it's like, on this piece of paper, you know, it's there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's out there somewhere. I don't know how to access it, but I'm I'm halfway to an associates. I went to school for one semester. Like I I had my whole plan laid out. I was going to go to law school. I was going to do this. I was going to get this job and make this much money and. And all that in high school had the 4.8 GPA, had a great SAT score, like had it all figured out until I realized that this isn't what I want, you know. And so that being said, whenever I decided that I want to make a change, I wanted to take a chance on something else. It's like it's a lot of noise. It's, it's a lot of stuff to overcome. And at that point, I didn't know that I was going to make it or anything, but I knew it was worth giving it a shot. And yeah. so that would be my advice. It's like, don't be afraid to just go for it. Go, go mess up, go, you know, go broke doing something, you know, go, go all in on something. And you're going to be way more ahead of anyone that just is too afraid to ever take that chance because of the, the, what if it doesn't work out? I hope it doesn't work out. Cause I'm going to learn way more from that than if I, if I never took that chance. And then what even crazier idea, what if it does work out? You know, that's what, you get this analysis paralysis, you never make a move. It's like, that's your issue. It's like, just take that chance. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Try the next thing. Did you, have to, did you have to fight uh, any like family or, or parents or stuff like this when you dropped out of college? Was there yeah. like, was there friction there? A lot of friction there. That <laughs> that dynamics changed now. It's, it's all good. But at that time, that was that yeah. was very, very hard for me. And when I moved out, I was on my own at that point. It was like, you know, mom, mom was in the corner the whole time. Mom was like, I believe in you got this, you know, but, but pretty much everyone else gave their two cents on the, yeah, you're making a mistake. This ain't going to work out. You need a college degree in, in today's day and age. Like you just can't make, you can't make it, you know, you're making a mistake. You're, you're throwing this away. It's like, I'm 17. I like, I got time, man. I got time to mess this all up. I still do right now. So it's like, 
but yeah, you know, that was, that was something to overcome, but it was kind of like at that point, well, I'm in, you know, I'm all in, I'm living in an RV in Grosbeck, Texas, and I'm eating rotisserie chicken and hot dogs because I can't afford nothing else. Like I'm all in, bro. Like I don't, <laughs> I'm, uh, I ain't taking no more money from mom and dad anymore. You know, like I'm on my own, I'm doing my own thing. Like I'm here, I'm in it. And so that's why I think I was able to be successful. It's like, in a sense, burn the boats. Like I'm, I don't have a fallback. I don't have something to like anything else. It's you apply yourself a hundred percent. You learn everything you can. You consume all the content and knowledge that you can and you apply effort and you keep applying in very intentional effort every single day for as long as it takes, because that's all that you can do. One of the things I love what you said is that um, you got to, I think young people, they have to make a decision and sometimes it's leaving home. Sometimes it's, it's stepping away from your parents, but when you're forced to produce and you know, you you're forced and you're under that pressure, either producer, you don't, mm-hmm. and you're going to find out real quick if you're a producer, if you don't. And, um, I think that, 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 that failure is what molds success that over and over and over failure is what molds success into something amazing. And a lot of people, they're so afraid of that, that one, pinch of failure that it's going to hurt so much that we get punched in the face and we're like yeah let's go tomorrow <laughs> yeah same time like let's keep doing this because it's like in in the end you know you get you get hit enough eventually you're gonna to learn to keep your hands up you know yeah. and then maybe one day you throw a counter maybe one day you slip it maybe one day you, you land your counter you know but it's like you keep taking you keep taking you keep taking it if you know if you truly believe in what you're doing because you know one day this is going to work out so I'll stay with it for as long as it takes. I'll keep failing. I'll keep failing because eventually I'm going to get this right. Such a great mindset to have, especially at a young age, because, man, that that mindset will get you to who knows where. I've, I've gotten I've taken some L's. I've gotten hit in the face. And I think one of those things that 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 internal that internal fuel, like, what do you like? What do you run on? Like, it's just like the internal fuel of the sun. I don't know what you call it. But um, that's what keeps me going, man. And I know each failure is just a stepping stone I can step on and build and get to the next level. Absolutely. And I, I think that's just it. It's like life is so short to where if you have an idea, if you have a dream, if you have a vision, I think it's way too short to not even try it. Like you got to you got to give it to your, you owe it to yourself to at least go for it, because at the end of the day, like. The only person there with you from the start to the finish is you. Yeah, you're there when you're born. You're there when you die. Nobody else. Nobody else is there for that long. And so it's like that being said, that's the only person you got to look at every single night in the mirror and say, you know, did I uh, did I do what I said I was going to do? You know, and you're the only person that knows. Did I really apply myself to the max? Did I really give it everything? Did I really think that through? Did I did I do what I should have? It's like. You're the only person that knows those answers. And so I think that's why it's like, above all else, you owe it to yourself to go all in. You ain't got to get it right, but at least try. Yeah. What is a quote that is yours or somebody else's that you resonate with? Yours or someone else that I resonate with? Man. I'm sure Corey got a bunch. Is it something on the wall? Yeah, probably so. Don't be a bitch. Like, that's a... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's on everything, and, and that 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 alone, I mean, is is uh, uh, that'll take you places. <laughs> seriously, like I mean, and, and that's kind of it. 
I, I think the one that does stand out, and it's kind of on the top of what we just talked about. It's uh, it's something someone told me at a race this last summer. He's like, you truly only fail when you stop showing up and you stop pushing. And and that, you know, just that concept is is truly is so simple. It's okay to mess up. It's okay. That's that's not the issue. Where the issue comes is is you stop showing up. And and that really stood out to me because it's just, you know, that's that's can be translated to all of life. It's like it starts with one and it starts with the consistency of it. It's like if you want to get in shape and you're four hundred pounds and you've got to get there, it's like don't try to lose, you know, two hundred pounds in one day. Try to do one push up. Right. And and be okay with that. Okay, now you're doing one push up, now drink some more water, right? Now you're drinking water and doing push ups, go for a 10 minute walk a day, right? And be okay with the small incremental steps because, you know, as Warren Buffett put it, uh, compound interest, eight to one of the world, right? Like that stuff, that stuff takes off. And so you got to start small. You got to take your small wins and keep going. Um, but, but that's what stands out to me is just, you know, truly only fail when you, when you stop showing up for it. Where can people find you online? I think this has been a great episode. I appreciate your, you coming on, man. It's, it's been such a good time. Where can people find you online? And uh, give a shout out to R2R, man. Yeah, Roughneck to Real Estate. Y'all check out our YouTube. We've got some content of flips we do, evictions, setouts, mobile home installs, septic installs, all sorts of stuff like that. I'm on Instagram at Real Braxton Harrison, Facebook Braxton Harrison, Twitter Big Money Brax, all the things, you know. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, thanks for your time. For everybody here, go like, share, subscribe. Go check out R2R. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Thank you so much, Daniel. Hey, guys. So the Hive Mind is launching a new program where we are we're helping you work deals that are valued at $1 million and up. If your deal is worth $980,000, we don't want to take a look at it. You can submit those deals to us at submitbigland.com and we'll help you comp the deals. If it's good, we'll help you close it and we'll also help you fund it and sell it. Check us out, submitbigland.com, milliondollarmastermind.com and wholesaling million dollar land deals on Facebook. Thanks guys.